In case you missed it, there's been quite the controversy from the Maine Veterinary Medical Center regarding relinquishment of a pet. This week, we want to talk about all of the issues surrounding that and maybe what are some of the lessons we can learn moving forward to avoid this type of situation. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, once again, we will uphold our end of the tough topic deal. And we're going to tackle the topic that's been circulating like crazy on social media regarding the Maine Veterinary Medical Center, a news report, relinquishment of a pet, and a whole lot more. But before we get into all of the details and our opinions on what we should do in these situations, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this is one of those slow-moving train wrecks, I think, you know, I've, I've kind of been watching this as it's developed and then it suddenly just took off, you know, like a, a rocket ship. I mean, I guess let's, let's kind of back up and tell folks what we're talking about, Becky. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's all over social media right now. So those of you that do use social media are probably seeing a published piece, we'll call it a piece, yeah. um, from a veterinary client who relinquished a pet at one point at the main emergency center um, because of financial constraints right. and the and then wrote a very heartfelt emotional letter to one of the local publications and the, the it ended up let's just say it ended up printed and from there things snowballed <laughs> directly downhill. Right. It wound up on a local television station and now it's gone national. So this is one of those viral moments that really, you know, it, it can affect your clinic. And they are. There, there's a, a whole slew of threats being made to this vet clinic. They've threatened, you know, to burn the clinic down and just all this outrageous stuff. Now, there's a couple of things that we want to talk with you today because, number one, this has an element of something that I have really cautioned vets about throughout most of my career. I've written articles on it, made videos on it, and, and I will put all this in the show links uh, today. But but it's something around how do we handle a client who can't pay their bill? Now, there's a lot to unpack here, but I guess, Becky, let's start again with with how it made, went viral. So here's what happens. As Becky said, this lady has this horrible situation in which her, she can't afford the, the care of her dog, and we'll get into to the amounts in just a little bit. And so she winds up relinquishing the pet. And of course, they get it treated and yada, yada. And at most of these stories, that's where it would end. But in this one, the lady then kind of reaches out to local media, a local television station picks it up. And that's where we start. Now, what happened was, and according to the statement from the Maine Veterinary Medical Center that you can all find online, that's dated June 11th, 2022 from Scarborough, Maine. Um, what happened was the reporter, the television station, before or when they're assembling their piece, they reached out to everybody involved, including the Maine Veterinary Medical Center. Now, at that time, for reasons that they give some reasons for in their statement, they decided not to comment. So unfortunately, in the original reporting, the story that's gone viral nationwide, uh, they just say, no comment. We reached out to the Maine Veterinary Medical Center and there's no comment. Now, Becky, you and I have talked about this in the past, what to do whenever you know the media approaches you. And I think that it, this was an opportunity to 
just stick to the facts. Uh, in the in the statement, they say we wanted to honor the privacy. The owner had been through trauma and so forth. But I think you can still honor and respect the client and adhere to privacy rules, even though we're not you know governed by HIPAA privacy laws. I think you can do that by just giving the facts. What do you, what do you think, Becky? I think you can. Right? I, it's absolutely possible. Did they reach out to their lawyer and they're afraid of a lawsuit and they said not to? Uh, Did they just not have any idea it would blow up like this? They thought that this would be kept a little more anonymous. You know, I I think they weren't expected to be called out directly uh, as a clinic and named. There was a lot of misunderstandings. Or were they just taking the situation not very seriously because, we are inundated, right, with I'm going to call the media, I'm going to sue your pants off, I'm going to own your house, your car, your next born. Like they, you know, we hear that stuff every day. So um, we don't have this information, but it just kind of makes me wonder, like, did they just think, oh, here we are again? Or were they like, oh, no, this is blowing up and we need to to just lay low and make a plan? Um Either way, I'm f- feeling very empathetic to their situation because whether they did the right thing or wrong thing with the relinquishment, they did what they thought thought was right. You know, so often, like, we work within what we think we can do. And I think they probably felt backed into the corner of another economic euthanasia versus right. this option, which is widely accepted in the veterinary profession, which is why I love that you're talking about your feeling of it not being a good idea because the first time you ever said that to me, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know we had an option. Like I didn't know that 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 we could actually like, no, because then we have control over what happens. Then the animal doesn't lose their life X, Y, and Z. Right. Which is why I have six animals. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. So anyway, back on track, I just think it's, um, my heart is with them because they did what they thought was right. And my heart is with the pet owner who is obviously grieving, right? And right, and right. going through the stages of grief. And um, right or wrong, this is the way people grieve and this is the way people vent and this is the way people have an outlet now is social media. And so more and more, we're going to have to find the best ways to deal with these situations. And I mean, obviously in this case, no comment ends up coming off very cold. Right. And I think that's really, you know, again, my take home message and having dealt with the media for most of my adult life, uh, you know, if you can in these situations, because, you know, they knew when the reporter reached out to them that this was now a controversy. This was a story, right? This is where you can give them the facts and you can be very professional. So I think if you're ever, if you ever find yourself in this situation, again, you want to be just as unemotive as possible and just, you know, be professional and stick, stick to the facts. Because again, I think, you know, just giving some context, you know, would be better than no comment in this situation. Now, the other thing too, Becky, like you, I am incredibly empathetic. I mean, this is this is a real tragedy from all on all angles, right? So I right. sympathize and empathize with both the pet parent as well as the veterinary team. So first, let's just let's just table that, guys. I mean, we love our profession, but we want to also take from this some learning. So first thing is, if you're in a controversial situation, the media reaches out to you, uh, A, as Becky mentioned, you probably may, may want to contact your attorney. And if you don't have an attorney relationship now for your clinic, now's a good time to do that. Every every veterinary clinic should have some relationship with some attorney they can pick up and say, hey, what should I do? 
it's just going to save your fanny so many times. Uh, the second thing is typically your, your attorney is going to say, okay, let me handle it. And what are the facts? And that's what they're going to share to the media. So I think that that's the first lesson maybe that we can get into. The second thing, Becky, is in the, the statement from the main uh, veterinary, uh, especially uh, Maine Veterinary Medical Center, they they go into great detail about the back and forth. Now, Becky, you and I have been there hundreds of times in our career, right? Where it's like, you know, hey, I'm trying to get the money. Give me another hour. Let me contact this. I'm waiting on care credit. I'm waiting on scratch pay. What, right? You know, there's that back yeah. and forth, right? And I think that that they also laid this out in the in their statement, trying to say that, hey, the client was just not not contacting us. But I also think we need to be careful with with that presentation of the client because they're probably frantically desperately trying to get you know the money together for this thing and let's face it becky the initial cost estimate as reported in the statement was twenty six hundred dollars to thirty three hundred dollars the total cost for the treatment of this emergency surgery uh was going to be nine nine thousand five hundred eighty five dollars fifty seven cents to ten thousand eighty six dollars and forty one so this is a this is a large bill. Do we know what was wrong with the dog? Uh, it was an emergency. Let's see. Basically, uh, they had to have uh, penetration through small intestinal tracts. So basically, uh, it was perfed. eat. Yeah, perfed. And, uh, you know, just a lot of obstructed dog, perf, right. bad shape. Right. That's personal. I lost a puppy to that. So, right. Okay. Right. Of course. 9000 almost $10,000 is. Over ten thousand dollars. And are they? Re- do we know? Are they requesting half down deposit, full payment? Half down, half okay. down. So they said As we that do. they said they could not begin surgery or treatment until they had fifty percent deposit. And so this is where the back and forth began. Which is it's very like, common, right? Like yeah. we know this is the policy at every emergency clinic I've ever worked at. Right. And so, you know, up until this point, like this is like every other clinic. I mean, everybody listening today can probably relate to what we're saying, right? I mean, you've yeah. been in these situations. Uh, now, I've never times. been, in, <laughs> uh, but I've, not, I've personally never been in a $10,000 situation for an abdominal surgery, but you know, let's, let's face it. So anyway, this thing goes on and on and on for hours. In fact, it's the greater part of a day that this thing just keeps persisting back and forth. And can you get the money? I'm trying. Can you get the money? I'm trying, you know, this back and forth. Meanwhile, you know, the pet is arguably and arguably suffering right yeah. so you know so i think this is also building up probably anxiety and later resentment in the pet sure. parent right because you know it's kind of like okay you guys are really focused on the money yes. and this is one of the things that i've always said for a profession that says we're not in it for the money we typically make it all about the money in these situations and so that's kind of my first other little caution to the profession and look Hey, I've made my my career being a business management consultant and expert, and I can tell you it is about the money, but we have to be careful how we present it and frame it. And sometimes this back and forth stuff really takes the focus less off the patient, the pet, the loved one, and more on the money, you know, and hopefully that yeah. makes some sense. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I guess I have a couple things in my brain here, and, and they're not exactly exact like apples and oranges maybe but like maybe close but I'm thinking about when my transmission broke in my truck right and it was $7,000 right to fix the transmission and I was like hey you know do you need money down do I have to get what do I have to do and he's like well I mean I have your truck (laughs) you know so like if you want your truck back you're gonna have to give me $7,000 if not I'm going to possess your truck and, and sell it So obviously we can't do that with pets, but like it almost makes me feel like I'm like, well, you have their pet. Like 
And obviously we can't be responsible for like boarding and all of this stuff. But like in these circumstances where we have a client who's like really trying, I've, you know, I've stood in a room with somebody with like, you know, some really nice jewelry and out there with a nice car. And then they're like, well, I don't have the money and I can't get the money. I'm thinking, well, you could go to a pawn shop and pawn that watch right there and probably get some money, drive across the South Carolina border, get a title lien. Like you could do something, friend. So I've been judgy myself, but when you have a client who's like dialing all the numbers and working really hard, like I almost wonder, is there, is there that mentality? Like they obviously love their dog and want it back. They're going to do everything they can. By the time this dog's ready to go home, surely they will have, you know, okay. Third thing, just to monologue at you, my, then my thought is we have this double standard that we constantly talk about, which is well, it's not all about the money, right. but also you have to stop giving away your services because right. it's not all about the money. And so, like, what is that balance? Because it's like, okay, we have to focus and buckle down. And even though our heart is hurting, we can't give away our services because they have a value. Right. And I would have to suspect that that's where they're coming from is we have a policy. If we did it for you, we'd have to do it for everybody. So what's the answer to that for them? Well, the first thing that I think that was not apparent and it may have happened and they just didn't choose to share this in their statement, but I would have if it were me, is there was no like compromise. I mean, they're really doing a lot of of pretty advanced diagnostics, including ultrasounds and x-rays and blood tests and all this stuff. And, you know, Becky, I, I think that one of the things we've got to learn is when we're in a situation, this is clear, the lady's like, I'm trying to come up with the money. This is when you start to figure out what you can do for what money she's got, yeah. right? And and so, I, and again, I'm not in any way, you know, trying to, because this is a very complex case. It was a, some kind of skewer or something that maybe had penetrating, you know, into the, to the chest and abdomen. So this is a mess, right? But having said that, you know, it, I mean, $10,000, Becky, I mean, that's a lot of money for anybody. And, uh, and I've, I've personally never had a bill close to that, you know, uh, myself personally or given that yeah. to a client. So, you know, I think one of the things that I, I talked about in that 2017 article and video was that we've got to be willing to compromise. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what they could have done, but could they have shaved, you know, a couple of thousand dollars off? I, I, I don't know, right? But is that part of the discussion? And I just think that as veterinarians, we also have to sort of take a holistic approach at the situation and and not always say, well, it's the gold standard. We need to do this or that. I mean, you know, back in the day, Becky, I used to tell vets, and again, I'm in rural, you know, North Carolina. Sometimes you, we had to skip some of the diagnostics and just go straight to an exploratory, you know, laparotomy. And that was great. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that would have been a, appropriate in this case, but I'm just saying, you know, where are those things that you can do to try to, to cut cost, if you will? Uh, because I think that, you know, Becky, this person was, as you mentioned, dialing all the numbers, trying everything. And let's face it, these are all red flags. She's being denied care credit yes, and bank right. loans and everything, right? So chances are, if you leave the truck there, that truck's staying there, right? You yeah, know? I know. Which, well, right. Okay, so first <laughs> of all, that's what I was thinking too. Like, can we? what does it cost to just get in there, explain the risk that it may equal euthanasia on the table because right. it is extensive and that perf is not going to be something, you know, maybe we just take a drain tube and hope, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Right. There has to have, I agree with you. Anytime I've worked in an emergency hospital, we've had like a plan, like a, like a three-part plan. If, if, if we know money is a cost going into it it is an issue, then there's like, this is the best we can do. This is like, if I release you tonight and I'm really worried about it and you can get to your vet in the morning and see what your vet would do. So it's also like something that's on my mind is like, could they have gotten them, the dog through the night? 
to the morning, right? And to get to the regular vet. Now, I also want to I also want to say my understanding is this is one of two emergency clinics in the town. So it's not like we could have just packed up, gone somewhere else. Um, I, I understand it was like their choices were very limited as it was. But I mean, I know we've done supportive care to try to get a pet to their regular vet the next day where we know the cost will be a lot less and they might be more likely to extend uh, credit because they know you. Now, the other thing is, did this pet have a regular vet, right? Like, is this a dog that comes in that's not got vaccines? It's not on prevention. There's there's so many factors that shouldn't totally be factors, but I think they are part of our decision-making when we are thinking about what the care looks like. But I agree with you. And and again, we did not, let's be fair, let's not get sued. We did not reach out to either one of them. We have not asked for a statement for either one of them. We're strictly kind of going off of the information that we know that's out there. And, and, And really, while we're using this as the core of the conversation, it's like, what lessons can we take away from it? Because anytime we have a terrible situation like this, we would like to think that learning can come and those situations can be reduced in the future. Absolutely. So the other part of this too. So again, I think the art of compromise should be considered in these cases whenever possible. Uh, The lady did report that the dog had its vaccines like earlier that week. Ah, And so, you know, I'm with you, Becky. It's like, well, what about your regular vet? I don't know. I mean, it may be above their abilities, but I, I, I just don't know. I mean, there's a lot of questions. And again, this is a great opportunity to share that with the world in the statements, you know, because again, if I'm making this statement, what I'm now playing to is the world, right? Not just the professional community, but I'm also trying to tell my community, we did everything in our power. Like we went back and forth and made compromise after compromise and tried this and tried that, right? Because that's going to really gain you sympathy with the public because they're now going to view you as just not a no comment, you know, only in it for the money and a person that really, really tried to to do everything in their power. But I do now want to kind of spend the last part of this conversation, Becky, talking about this this habit, this protocol, this this ability to take a pet from a pet parent when they can't pay for it and then find another home. And, and again, you know, I've written about this uh, and back in 2017, it there was another story similar to this. And again, Becky, this won't be the last time, you know, we'll continue to see these types of stories. They're only amplified now. And what's amazing to me is that the time from 2017 to 2022, so five years later, Becky, the rate of amplification, it's just so accelerated these days, right? Yeah. So in 2017, there were a couple of stories that just kind of missed most people's radar, but they caught mine. And I reported on it and talked about it and wrote about it. Uh, And today, of course, this thing is like within 24 hours, it was all over the internet. Um, So, but let's get back to this relinquishment issue, because I think it's really confusing to pet parents, right? Now, the first thing I want to talk about is, okay, here's a situation where we're asking, and again, there are lots of reasons why you should relinquish, right? People have asked me, you know, can you take my dog? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's how we wound up with a lot of dogs early yeah. in our lives, right? And usually they're like behavior problems or something, you know, they're urinating in the house. I mean, right, there's those kind of stories. But every now and then there's people that are like, you know, hey, um, you know, my father passed away and I can no longer afford the dog or cat or whatever. So there's those situations. But where I get concerned is when the pet is in front of us and they're going, I can't afford it. And they're and then we're going, well, if you can't afford it, we'll find someone who can. Becky, it's just so to me, that is, I've never done this. I've never supported this. I, I just, I get it that we're trying to save that pet's life. And in many cases we are, but I kind of believe in treat it or don't treat it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't really get this intermediate step of we'll take your child, right? If we're going to use that language, there are pet yeah. children. I'll take your child from you and give it to somebody else. 
I mean, to me, that's never said well. Right. Well, the, like the the unsaid elephant in that statement basically is I'll I will take the money to fix it because, you know, the finding the person that will is never going to say, well, now you have to pick up this ten thousand dollar bill to get this dog. So it's like I need ten thousand dollars from you or I'll eat it and then just give this dog to somebody. And like when you put it that way, I'm like, ooh, that does look really bad. Now, I have also had this relinquishment situation where people just really didn't care. Like they just were like, absolutely right. right we're going right. to euthanize. We we just were. This is I can get another cat for free at Walmart. Literally absolutely. how they how they see it. And then I want that pet out of their possession for sure. Right. Because they don't right. even care about the animal. But like then it's going to end in the shelter. Then it's going to end up euthanized. So what is the alternative? Like, it, is it just fix it? Because. For me, this is where we need to have multiple. There are so many resources out there when we do our homework that do have money for emergency care. Um, I know many clinics that have good SAM funds that help with emergency care. Um, and I think that we need to look at this as the responsibility of regular our, our GP to educate on the cost of pets very early and what do we think about shelters needing to maybe vet the financial abilities of somebody investing in an animal, taking them home? Um, I think that this is a very, this this has ripple effect and that this is a spoked wheel that connects a lot of us together. Right. The other thing too is that what I wrote about in 2017 is imagine how painful this must be for that pet parent. Because I believe personally, strongly, that if an owner relinquishes a pet in order for it to be treated for this illness or injury or whatever, they, they've got to really, truly care for that pet, right? I mean, that must be so heartbreaking to sign over your pet loved one, your child to someone else just so it can be treated. I mean, Becky, I, I, I can't imagine the judgment, the shame they must feel from, from our profession, right? I mean, they're, they're having to go in there and say, I can't, afford this and therefore take it from me. I mean, I don't know. That's heartbreaking to me. Am I, I off base? I think it goes one way or the other. I think they're heartbroken or they don't care and they're relieved you'll take them so they, oh, right. they feel better. Like now I don't have to yeah. turn them out in the country because it, that would make me feel yeah, yeah. more guilty. And, and again, I'm going to say we can distinguish between that, right? I mean, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. There's like two, like this lady, I mean, I think it's so painful to her now. And I think sure. that she feels judged and shame and regret over her actions, you know? And, and again, you know, um, I think there was a, the case, one of the cases that sparked that 2017 article I wrote was a, a fascinating case. So this guy comes into a vet. Uh, he has a dog with a complicated com medical condition and he can't afford it. And so the vet's like, hey, you know what? We, uh, we've got, we work with a, a local charity and they will take the pet and raise funds and, and get it treated, right? So the guy relinquishes the pet. And it winds up with this charitable rescue organization. They raise funds, get the dog treated or whatever. Well, guess what he does? The Adopts owner, he, go, he goes, I want to adopt my pet back. <laughs> and they said no. <laughs> so yep. then they actually judged him, right? That is classic. They judged sure. him. They said, you're unfit for this pet because you couldn't afford its care, right? And I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. This is so complicated for us. And uh, again, you know, confiscating pets like you were talking about, you know, and, and all this stuff. I just believe that, um, 
I believe that you treat them or you don't treat them. And, you know, I think that this is one of those things. This is why I started, we did a, a nonprofit prayer for animals back, you know, about my third year of owning a clinic to try to help us. So we would do an annual fundraiser just to try to help us with this. And so I think that for me, the take-home message with this is A, you know, I, I think we could have handled the media better. B, how much compromise was offered? Could we have saved significant funds that might have changed the outcome, right? I, I don't know, but I'm hopeful that there could be. B or C, rather, I think you as a veterinarian should really look at your policy on relinquishment or confiscation or how do you make these decisions, right? I mean, and again, I'm not offering you all the answers. I'm just saying, you know, it's something that you have to to figure out on your own. And I think all of us should have finally our goal for eliminating economic euthanasia, right? I mean, and that's really the heart of this. This is why I'm so sympathetic with this clinic because they were just trying to avoid economic euthanasia. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. But, you know, Becky, I mean, are we charging fair prices? Are we doing everything we can? Are we trying to work within a budget? I mean, there's so many questions that we really have to grapple with and it doesn't get easier, Becky. I mean, you know, this, this will happen again. It will happen in your clinic. It's happened in my clinic and Becky's clinic. And I don't know, Becky, I mean, th that's kind of my nutshell, you know, armchair quarterback. And, you know, what, what do you have yeah. to say? Well, I guess, I mean, like you said, it's super complicated, but I think you have to come up with a policy and come up with the alternatives that everyone can live with. And, and I think the answer truly is, um, a nonprofit or a good SAM fund. Yeah. I think that you budget in a certain amount of money that is not going to get paid. That's part of accounting, right? Like we know that there, that not all of all the bills are going to get paid. Um, I think you find ways that you will handle it and stick to it. But I think you should be very thoughtful about what your policies are. And if you can't live with a policy of no surrender, can you compromise there? Like, what does that look like then? Um, and yeah, there's a whole lot of self-reflecting in the vet industry that we need to do, I think, in this situation and understand that times are changing and that these situations are going to continue to come up, like you said, and they're going to continue to get published because what's happening is now this story is blown up. So it's now people are going to see that this is what happens. So they're going to reach out to their news stations every time it's happening. Right. And like people are going to blow it up every time because they're going to see that's the normal way of dealing with the emotion around it. Um, I think that the other problem we face is people are used to emergency care, whether they can pay the bill or not. And, you know, yeah, my yep. constant go back is as long as we have clients bringing in poop for heartworm tests, we our clients are not educated as much as they need to be. And so I think people don't necessarily understand they're going to walk into an emergency clinic and have to pay because it says emergency clinic and they're conditioned in their own life. The other thing I think we need to talk about is, you know, as pets become more of a um human <laughs> yeah yeah a member of the family is this something we should be taking to legislation is this something we should be looking at government funding or some kind of way to offset these costs in these types of situations because we would certainly have it if it was a, a child and i know that that sounds ridiculous to a lot of people pets are property but we're working to move toward that direction so what what does that look like to take the relief off of the veterinarians to take the relief off of you know the stress because especially as we're more corporately owned 
there is no one person burdening that. So now it's getting distributed around the people who are actionable actors in the situation. Yeah. And and again, you know, I think for me, Becky, I've just, I, I really settled early in my career on just saying, I'll treat it or I won't. Right. And so if I was going to treat it, then I was going to work within your budget. I was going to do it for free. I was going to figure out a way to get it funded. Right. But I was going to treat it. If I wasn't, I was going to take your hits. Right. Because at this point, let's face it, you know, viewfinders, they could have walked away. I'm not saying that's ideal or, or right, you know, but, but, you know, there was, there's no legal compulsion to treat this pet. Like, so at some point they could have said, Hey, you know, we just can't help your pet. You know, I mean, please go back to your vet or, or go to another vet or something. I mean, they would have been a jerk, but the story there is jerk vet wouldn't see my pet. And the news media is like, well, you couldn't afford it. So that's yeah. the end of that story. The story here is jerk vet wouldn't treat your pet for whatever. $10,000. Well, for letting you do payment plans or whatever, right? Because you couldn't come up with the money for the down payment. And then they found another pet. Like that's a much more attractive story. And and you hate to look at it that way, but you know, let's face it, that that news station said, we got something and they went for it. You know, I do wish that I do. And I'm sure that the main veterinary medical center feels the same, at least apparently from their, their statement, the way I'm interpreting it, they, I think they wish they had, and they said that, they said that as much that, um, that they had commented early on, just stick with the facts, you know, just say, Hey, here's what we happened. And here's what happened. And we did everything in our power. I, I don't know. I mean, this is, boy, these are, these are heartbreaking. Everything. Yeah. I do think that the journalism <laughs> plays a role in here, right? Because it, even without getting a statement from the emergency hospital, you can call your state veterinarian and say, Hey, this situation happened. Is this common? Right. Uh, what does this look like? And get some kind of statement from some veterinary professional to say, this is not unheard of, or this is completely unheard of. Like they didn't, they didn't bring in any other expert. Like it was very limited, lazy journalism, if you ask me, because oh, yeah. you yeah. didn't get the background on like, oh my God, this thing happened and this sounds bizarre and crazy. And had they really just gotten to some more information and done a little, I don't, even a Google search probably would have come up with this being a really common situation. And that journalism could have still happened. It just could have taken a different spin and been less accusatory and finger pointing to this one clinic as though it's the only clinic that's ever done this and the the only veterinarian who's ever done this and a isolated incident of horror. I know, I know. And, and I, I, Becky, I agree with everything you just said there, all that stuff, unfortunately, does not change the no. outcome here. The no. one final thing I just want to touch on, Becky, and it's something that you really brought to my attention uh, as well, and that is, you know, some of our colleagues really have put some tough comments on these stories, uh, a lot of client bashing, a lot of judging. Um, and I, again, I think we have to be careful because it seems to me, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot is how clients bully us. And I don't know, Becky, I'm seeing some comments that just make me uncomfortable. Well, I don't think it's doing any favors, right? I don't think it's it's like showing us in a different light, literally, literally below a situation where we look bad. So it's like we're commenting on this situation where we look bad, where we're just basically saying, you guys think it's all about the money. You want us to do it for free. We've got bills to pay. It's not this conversation. No, no damage is going to be repaired here. Let's put it that way. Like this, no healing is going to come from this. Right. That's a really good point. I mean, and we are trying to heal. I think that yeah. empathy and sympathy here goes a long way. And, uh, you know, again, I would just, just say, Hey, if, uh, 
this were you, you know, what, what kind of comments would you like to see shared? And I think that, you know, piling on and beating up clients and, and, you know, I think that just doesn't really serve us well, uh, as much as you want to. And I get it. I mean, you want to counter punch as hard as anybody else. Uh, but sometimes these feel like sucker punches to me. Well, and I think this is the importance of getting good communication skills, um, you know, looking at like radical kindness and radical empathy, because I think it's easy for us to say this must be really hard for you to absorb. And um, it must be really hard for you to understand our point of view, having not been in our shoes. Um, but there are ways to be empathetic about this without being combative that can be just as as lesson in, you know, invoking. Right. Well, again, if you find us, I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation. There's a lot a lot of problems with this, a lot of challenges with this, a lot of really strong emotions. And, and I wish we had perfect answers for you to make this all go away and better, but we don't. But we, I can tell you uh, from personal experience of being a veterinarian for nearly 31 years now, uh, Becky, plan, prepare. Yeah. I what do you always say? Get ahead of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is your opportunity. If you really haven't sat down and, and thought about how would you handle this situation, this is the time. I mean, I would encourage you as leadership, as managers, as staff to really sit down and, and role play it, right? Just game it out and say, what would we do in this situation? How do we currently handle it? Because you can probably avoid a lot of this. Now, you can't avoid everything and all things, but you know what? You can probably avoid 80% of it, and I think that can go a long way. So I don't know, viewfinders, I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this, our, our thoughts and prayers, and, and really, I mean, we are so so supportive and so sad for the Maine uh, Veterinary Medical Center, I mean, because this is a tough, tough situation, but uh, what do you guys think? What are you hearing? How can we help? Uh, I don't know. That's all I got for you. <laughs> yeah. What are your policies? How do you handle this? And, and you know, how do you better, how can we just better support each other to get through these situations with less uh, anger and frustration and move ourselves forward? You know, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and over on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. You can also shoot us an email. We appreciate them so much at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. Good luck. Stay safe and spend a little time reflecting on this. I think it might help you out. Guys, we'll talk to you soon. All the links in the show notes. Bye. Bye.